again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller, digging out of a snowstorm here in Chicago, just finally getting out of the, the white stuff. Joined, as always, by Tom Robinson. Tom, any blizzards over your way lately? No, I think we're just past the, the worst of winter, and we've had some some unseasonably sunny days the last few days now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's an end to the coldness and, and the start of spring. We had nine straight days where it snowed here, which was just ridiculous and should not be allowed. Uh, but it's, it's gone now. It's great. It's, it's almost above freezing. So spring is right around the corner. <laughs> By right around the corner, Lucky I mean you. like three months away still. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be breaking down one of the most promising uh, strikers, Young strikers in Brazil right now. In fact, so promising that he's already got himself a move across the pond to Europe. Uh, this will be Felipe Viseo, currently at Flamengo. He'll be moving to Udinese in June at the end of the current European season. Tom, Felipe Viseo, Udinese, an interesting mix, an interesting player. Uh, kind of give us an overview. What do you make of him? Well, I think the first thing that, that jumps out um, when you watch him play is he just seems to be like an old-fashioned number nine. He's He's burly he's big he's got a bit of a nasty streak to him kind of reminds me a little bit of Diego Costa if uh, as a fairly lazy comparison but one that I think holds a bit of weight and yeah the first time I saw him play was at the under 20 Sudamericano last year and he came into the tournament as one of the the Brazilian players with a, a bit more hype around him because he'd he'd had a yeah a fairly decent 2016 season five goals in 15 games uh, pretty good for a teenager and yeah, then he and he carried on being just a, a pretty impressive target man up front for Brazil and got four goals in, in eight games. And even though Brazil didn't qualify for the under 20 World Cup, he was he was one of the sort of few players that came out, came out of it with a bit of credit. So, yeah, ever since then, I've been I've been keeping an eye on him. Yeah, and he's been off and on successful for Flamengo. Uh, obviously, a very difficult club to come up in, specifically with Paulo Guerreiro, uh, the big Peruvian who is, you know, such a talented target man in front of him. Uh, but once Guerreiro did uh, have to go through that drug suspension about November of last year, Viseo kind of stepped into the starting lineup. It was pretty effective for Flamengo, particularly in the Copa Sudamericana, where he had five goals as Flamengo were en route to that final where they ended up losing to Independiente. And it kind of just felt like, Tom, that he just needed to get that opportunity, and he hadn't gotten that because Guijero had been in front of him. And once he did, you have to give him credit because he really took it and ran with it. Certainly, yeah. I think I think that's a good point you make about him sort of being behind, you know, arguably one of the, the better strikers in South American football in Guerrero. And they're quite similar players as well. You know, really good number nine. So to step out of his shadow and, and take the, the goals in the way he did, I was I was particularly impressed in the two legs uh, against uh, Junior. He got uh, two goals in Barranquilla, I think, and one was, I think, a showcase of that that he's more than just you know a big guy who can head the ball in the net. Um, it was like a, a really beautiful right-footed volley that kind of smashed into the top corner, and those goals were really important in getting him and the team uh, further in the competition. And and I think that is is what's earned him that move in, in January really because I think we were all under the impression that he would he would stick around and and maybe use that as a springboard to to go on and become maybe the starting number nine while Guerrero's out obviously Flamengo have brought in Enrico uh, Enrique Dorado I'll help you out with your Portuguese that's, that's the one that's cheers, what you're cheers, for. cheers yeah the Brazilian uh, pronunciation always kills me but 
Yeah, so that, that that was a that was a bit of a strange one because it was like okay, you bring in a bit of a journeyman striker who admittedly had a good season last year. Um, when you think that they'd want to put a bit of faith in in the young forward, but he's got six months to show what he can do, and yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, I think the timing of this move, and, and we'll get into the specifics of it in just a bit, is is kind of built around that suspension for Guijero, who will be back just before the World Cup, but probably won't play much of a role for Flamengo during that time. And once Guijero is back, especially with them having brought in Enrique Dorado, it just doesn't feel like there would be a lot of time for Felipe Viseo. And so he has kind of maybe looked at it and said, okay, it'll be better for me to continue my development elsewhere. Um, and, and we'll get into <clears throat> that Udinese move in just a little bit and, and why we both think that that's a pretty good first move for him. But let's talk about another incident of Felipe Viseo in Brazil. You mentioned it kind of an old school classic number nine. And in kind of an old school classic number nine incident, he got into it with one of his teammates, Rodolfo, in a match at home against Corinthians last year. And then Felipe Viseo went on and scored in that same match. And uh, he had it out with Rodolfo right on the pitch in front of the cameras, in front of everybody. He's got a competitive streak, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. That's definitely one way of putting it. Um, I, for anyone who didn't see, is it, when he scored his goal, which was you know pretty much straight after the uh, the bit of the argument that he had, he uh, he flipped off uh, Rodolfo, gave him the middle finger. So he's he's a fiery character, and um, yeah, it's it's a part of his game that I really like. I think as a centre forward, you want someone who's got that attitude and that sort of yeah, as I mentioned, nasty streak, just to, to kind of not really care what the opposition or or what anyone thinks and just go about and, and do your thing. I mean, I've seen him muscle people off the ball and, you know, give them a, a cheeky little elbow here and there. So he, he knows the dark arts and yeah. And I, I quite like about that about him. I mean, is there, is there any questions about his attitude? I mean, I mean, you maybe uh, shouldn't be doing that with your, against your teammate, but yeah, whatever. He's 20. It's, it's fine. Brazil is a long yeah. year. Um, we'll call it a, you know, a youthful, Sure. moment of impetuousness right. uh, maybe takes you back to christian pavone getting sent off for taking his shirt off after scoring it didn't seem to affect him all that much as yeah. far as his development is concerned it's all part of the learning curve right um i don't necessarily i don't think it's fair to say there's any sort of attitude issues or anything like that uh, you mentioned it. he knows the dark arts but he's only picked up one yellow card domestically for flamengo which is you know pretty impressive that he's able to kind of play in that physical style and, and avoid drawing the ire of officials uh, he was, I think, one of the biggest beneficiaries of Reynaldo Rueda's short time in charge at Flamengo last year. Of course, the former Atletico Nacional manager was brought in a lot of expectations with Flamengo and then left almost as quickly as he had joined up to go take the Chile job. But Rueda was, I think, trusted in Viseo and a couple of Flamengo's youngsters a bit more than they had been trusted, maybe by Zé Ricardo, and maybe a bit more than, than they might be trusted in the future, although that is certainly a point that's, that's definitely debatable. And he played his best football with Flamengo with Rueda in charge, uh, that goal against Corinthians in the Brasilia down. And then, of course, you know, four of the five goals in the Sulamericana, uh, that is all of them that didn't come against Palestino in a meaningless match, came with Rueda in charge from November on last year. And finishing the year with momentum, Tom, I think is what probably brought out this Udinense move because he's, he's a player who's been playing really well. And, and I, I think maybe Udinense thought that they could get in a bit quicker and, than anybody else and get him for a price that's incredibly competitive and a really good value. I couldn't believe how cheap the deal was. I, I think it was about 5 million euros and he'll, he'll move in June. So he's still going to have a good part of that Libertadores campaign with uh, 
with Flamengo. And yeah, I think Udinese have, have done very well to get him on such a cheap deal, uh, especially when you see some of the other prices flying about for forward players and specifically Brazilian players. Just just look at his uh, teammate Vinicius Junior, who's who's gone for forty three million or something like that. So it's it's very very shrewd move and one that we've come to expect from them. They've got a lot of uh, form in in bringing all kinds of players uh, from South America, from other parts of Europe and Africa. Um, and you know they've got track record of Alexis Sanchez, Luis Muriel, who, who they've gone on to sell for for big bucks. So for me, that's an absolute no-brainer. I can't, I honestly can't believe it. What a what a cheap deal that is. And I think a few other clubs might be cursing the fact they didn't get in there there in earlier. And I think Flamengo will also maybe regret not you know doubling their money on him at least. So yeah, I think. Italy will also be a really good place for him to develop. Again, somewhere that's going to teach him the tactical elements of the game. He's going to come up against some really good defenders. He's really going to have to work hard at his game, and I think that's only going to improve him. And hopefully he'll go on to kind of follow in the footsteps of some of those great Italian number nines, Christian Vieri, Luca Toni, some of those guys, you know. So I think it's I think it's a smart move, and I'm 100% sure that Udinese will will make some money on this guy. Yeah, that that was going to be my question for you is is what do you make of the Italian first division as a place for him to develop and, and specifically the situation that he'll go into with Udinese. Uh, very solid team in that division, you know, right in the middle of the table. As of now, you'd probably expect for them to keep up that form for the rest of this year and finish the year right there in the middle of the table. And and then moving when he does, it'll give him, you know, the full preseason with the club. And he could absolutely be their starting number nine at the start of next year, no? Yeah, I I think that's a, a fair fair assessment. And if you look at their squad, like you said, it's there's no there's no sort of big name stars. There's you know obviously they for a long time they had um, Antonio Di Natale, who was um, you know an iconic striker for them, but he's he's finished now. So Lasagna, the the wonderfully named Italian striker, is kind of their main guy up front, but he he's not exactly a proven goal scorer. And yeah, he had a good first half of the season, but he's you know he's he's not going to be someone you can rely on all season so it's a great chance for him to go in be the main man and as you said when Rueda was at Flamengo if, if he's given the trust and the time to to be a starter for that side then he's shown that he can repay that you know it was the same for when he was the main man at the under 20s and in that short spell of Flamengo he's he's someone I think thrives on on that trust and and confidence so it's. I think. I think it's a good place and somewhere he can lay down a marker and and potentially get a move to a bigger Italian club in a year or two after that. So we'll see. Do you think um, there's a chance he could fit in in any of the other European leagues? Yeah, I mean, I think that skill set travels pretty well. You know, the big physical classic number nine to get into the penalty box and 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 make some space and and find your shot travels really well. And I think this is the really interesting rare case of a player leaving South America and he can probably be expected to get more playing time at the club he's going to than the one that he's leaving. You know, as, as far as these young players are concerned, obviously you'll see guys go to very small countries for playing time. But at Flamengo, there's a huge competition for space. There's a ton of young players coming through that I think Flamengo are going to at least attempt to work in. We'll see 
if that comes off, you know, you, we mentioned the signing of Enrique Durado. He's kind of expected to maybe be their guy until Guijero gets back. Guijero is still on their books. I don't know if he'll still be there after the World Cup. All, all indications point to yes, but, you know, things can change after a World Cup in South America pretty quickly. And so because of all of that, Felipe Viseo is actually in a pretty uncertain situation at Flamengo as far, as far as playing time, as far as opportunity, as far as trust in, is concerned. And in going to Udinese, it's it's almost like he gets that. And you don't often see that for young players, do you? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a strange dynamic. And yeah, it's uh speaks volumes for kind of the situation at, at Flamengo. It's a pretty unforgiving place at times. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with that side because as you mentioned there's there's tons of good young talent there obviously talked about Vinicius Jr earlier you've also got Marlos Moreno coming back from a a fairly unsuccessful time in Europe but someone who lit lit up the Libertadores with Atletico Nacional a few years ago and you know they've got other players like Lincoln who's a who's a part of the under 17 squad as well who's who's had some minutes Lucas uh, Pagata who also looks like a a good attacking midfielder So, so it's weird because you've got all this talent and yeah, you, you think, oh, it should work, but it just doesn't seem like it's the right place for Viseo right now. And, and that's probably why the moves come and it's probably why it's as, as cheap as it is really. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I really hope we do get to see him in the Libertadores as a, as a, a last sort of farewell before, before we see him maybe 10 years down the line or something. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see. One thing I wanted to ask you, Austin was, um, do you really see any weaknesses in his game or is there any areas that you think he could he could do with improving? I don't know if it's fair to say that they're weaknesses, but you know, he's not versatile and and that's fine I think because he's going to be asked to do one type of job and he's probably going to go and do it fairly successfully. But he's not the type of player who can who can fluctuate on an attacking line, who can go out to the wing and and do well for you. You're going to put him in the box. You're going to hit balls into him. You're going to see if you can run on the end of him sometimes. You're going to see if you can fight for them sometimes. And so he kind of, to me, seems like he has a ceiling that is maybe a bit lower than some of the younger players in, in Brazil and, and in South America that we do profile because his skill set is probably pretty much already what it's going to be. He's going to be a goal scorer. And sometimes they might dry up and sometimes he might be on form. But he's not going to be a kind of generation changing player if you will you know is Felipe Viseo going to make a Brazil squad at some point I mean possibly but he's not the type of player who feels like a shoe-in for five to six years down the line to be a starter with Brazil you know he, he might be a role player at some point but that type of talent isn't there so again I don't know if it's fair to say that that's a weakness but I think it's something that that's worth mentioning is that he kind of is what he is and he might get a little bit better in his time in Italy and and in the rest of Europe. But it's all going to come down to if he can score goals or not. And that's probably what's going to be the measure of success for him is his goal scoring rate. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, maybe a little bit harsh on him because I do think there is potential for him to develop. I think, you know, he's he's a little bit quicker than people probably give him credit for. And he's he has got good movement. And even though he is primarily a penalty box operator, he, he, he has got the occasional long distance or thunderbolt in him. So I, th- I think there's there's stuff that could be worked on. And, and what interests me is that Brazil don't have a ton of great number nines right now. So again, like you said, he's not going to be a Neymar. He's not going to be a Gabriel Jesus kind of talent. But he is someone who you could maybe, he might be the right 
player for a right system, you know, that, that brings others into play. You know, Brazil have got plenty of attacking wide and, and sort of creative midfielders in the centre that, that could feed off him. You know, if you look at the other options for a number, a proper old school number nine in Brazil right now, you know, you've got like Joe, well, probably not Fred anymore, but these kind of players. Not and great. So not I don't great. Think there's a ton of competition. Yeah. So I think, the I, issue I think we with could that, maybe see him. Sure. The issue with that for me is I just don't know how tied Cheech is to that idea of having that player in the squad. I don't think he's terribly concerned with having that number nine because if he was, I think we would have seen Joe called up by now because he was fantastic for Corinthians last year in that exact role as the traditional target number nine. And he didn't get into the Brazil squad at any point and kind of took that as a sign that, okay, it's not going to happen for me. I'm going to go move to Japan and make a lot of money, which is fine. That's, you know, but so the question for me will be, <laughs> yes, he can do that role, but is that role going to be used with Brazil? And that's kind of where I think what gives me pause. But again, you know, whether or not he gets into the Brazil squad, I don't think should be a future determinant of whether he's successful or not. No. Oh yeah. To- totally agree with that. I think definitely there's no chance of him getting into a Cheech uh, style of Brazil, but you never know in the future when a, a new manager comes in, maybe his, his time could come. So I think he's, he's one that's always going to be in and around the conversation if he's, if he's scoring goals. But yeah, like you said, he's, he's not going to be someone who's, who's definite, definite uh, national team material. But I've got high hopes for him, and hopefully he can he can prove us wrong. Yeah, one final question for you, Tom, as we wrap this up. Uh, Udinese, of course, are a part of that, what is the right word to call it, a conglomerate, I guess, that also features Watford in England. Uh, do you think we could see Felipe Viseo at Watford at some point? I think there's always that possibility that I think there's a, there's a bit of tension that maybe the Pozzo family are, are focusing a bit too much on Watford and, and not on their sort of first original club. But yeah, we've seen, we've seen players move between the two. And as we said earlier, he, he's got a, a style of play that would definitely suit the English league. So yeah, I, I don't think it would necessarily be for a season or two. And the way that there's so much change and, and fluctuation and in, in that Watford squad and, and the likes of Deeney and, and Gray probably are, a similar style of forwards who've got who've got a bit more experience. So unless unless one of those was to move on, I don't I don't think he'd go in any anytime soon. But anytime he, he sort of gets into a good bit of form, those those links will appear, and and you never know. I, I I don't think it would be a bad move. It's certainly a bit more visible, and and they know how much money there is in this game right now, and and they could make a profit on him like they're probably going to do with Richarlison at some point. One of our other previous spotlight pods that you should all check out you know so these uh these under 20s are starting to do well and, and who knows maybe Viseo could go on and, and surprise us a bit a bit like Richardson. and finally by moving so early again I don't have as good of a grasp on these rules as you probably do but it would theoretically help his ability to get a work permit no by being in Europe and playing in a first division side in Europe yeah definitely I think the fact that he's Brazilian he's he's had a fair bit of top flight experience and he, he's had these means that I don't I don't, don't think a, a work permit would be too difficult to get should should he need that but yeah I think we'll wait and, and see maybe a couple of years down the line 
All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. Be sure to follow us on social media for all of the latest from the World Football Index. Uh, As for now, all that's left to say is thanks for listening. Goodbye.